Hey everyone, welcome back. The date is August 3rd, 2011. This is Free Admission at freeadmissionfr.com. Returning tonight, Silicate Evolve 9, Taylor versus Gargano, the latest developments in the CM Punk WWE saga, some Florida Championship Wrestling talk, and the 2011 Battle of Los Angeles from Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, plus a whole lot more. I'm your host, Ben Turpin. Joining me on the panel this evening, first, none other than typical ROH fan's favorite tweeter, Mark Smith. Mark, how are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, Ben. That's, uh, that's a high level of seeing you gave me right there from a typical ROH fan. But it's good to be on talking with you guys. And we are also joined on the line tonight by everyone's favorite tweeter, J.P. Nichols. J.P., what's up? I uh, can't complain. You know, uh, just uh, excited, uh, particularly excited after seeing that Battle of Los Angeles lineup. I mean, I'm like been thrilled over that. I'm heavily anticipating uh, getting All-Star Weekend in the mail this week. Absolutely, and we will certainly talk about that later in the show, but I think we'll, we'll go kind of in order in terms of when things happened. Uh, Evolve 9 uh, took place, I guess, uh, just over a week ago from BB Kings in New York City, headlined by Chuck Taylor and Johnny Gargano. Um, I guess first we'll go with overall impressions of the show. Uh, Mark, what did you think? Uh, as a standalone show, uh, I thought it was pretty good. I, I, I enjoyed myself. Uh, I thought that the match was fine. I, I didn't think anything was, you know, absolutely outstanding, but I didn't think anything was ridiculous. But uh, as an evolved show, I mean, uh, to say I'm disappointed would be in the least because uh, I don't like the direction they've led in, and really was just a bunch of stuff that was thrown together and. It just felt like a, a, another card to me, really. I mean, it was a good show, but, you know, not a great evolved show. And I'm not sure if we should break this down match by match, but, uh, JP, just, like, give us some of your highlights. Um, well, I mean, obviously, the stand uh, standalone highlight would definitely be Sammy Callahan versus Finley. At points, I felt that it went a little too long. I mean, granted, I... I know that a few people definitely disagree with me in that segment. I would need to rewatch it again to see if that opinion still stands. But overall, I thought that was a really, really good match that did a great job of like introducing Finley to the uh, independent scene, as well as it made Sammy look really, really good, like especially towards the end of the match where Finley was just flat-out demolishing him with the air raid crash a few times over, and then... It, Sammy uh, would not die until the tombstone, and then that was the end of that. Um, a few of the other matches I thought were pretty enjoyable. Like, actually, I liked uh, Sugar Dunkerton and Silas Young uh, quite a bit. I mean, Sugar the, Dunkerton we're not used to. Uh, yeah, exactly. On top of that, the fact that the match just seems so different in comparison to everything else on the show to me. Because it's like the main issue that I had with this show, more than anything is it's just like every match seemed to blend together to me. Like it all followed the exact same formula in terms of the fact that, um, you know, you have the typical slow start before it all breaks down into the high-flying spots and whatnot, or even in a lot of the cases, uh, some just flat-out no-selling everywhere. And it just made it a bit of a tough show for me to watch because it's just like I can only see the same thing over and over again before I get really, really tired of it. I mean, which is why, again, like I said, the way that Sugar and Silas has worked was much appreciated on top of Sammy and Finley as well. I mean, I would not by any means say it was a bad show. It was just, like I said, a tough show to watch. And I guess one of the other one of the other big selling points coming into the show was Kevin Steen. What was he going to come in and do? What was he going to say? What was he going to wrestle? And he did ultimately have a match. 
Um, but I guess the first time we saw him was like right off the bat, really. They had a match with uh, two newcomers to Evolve, Bobby Beverly and Eric Ryan, which I don't think uh, any of us are familiar with those two. Um, Kevin, they actually uh, pretty pretty much worked their asses off, and then Kevin Steen interferes. Um, he proceeds to talk for about five minutes, none of which we could hear, and they also now have the edited version online, and you still can't hear what he said. Uh, but we did get some stuff at the end there and then he came out later and interfered and I know what was probably the match we were most looking forward to uh, in Bobby Fish and John Davis uh, which turned into to a three-way so Mark would you make all this yeah uh, my biggest problem was I, I live you know a uh, train right away from New York City so and I've attended the last two Evolve shows as well and I, I honestly really was saying to myself that like if Steve was booked in a match beforehand uh, there would be no problem I'd buy a ticket right now and I'd go and the fact that they held it off and held it off and held it off, and then they interrupted a match that actually had a lot of hype behind it, uh, as like a you know a match that was on the undercard that could steal the show, and he interrupts it and it turns into a three-way, which is it, it was a good sprint, but it's not going to mean anything when John Davis and Bobby Fish could have had a match that meant something, and uh, I, I just really think it was poorly managed and like you said, when Steve comes out and he's the first. You can't understand. And I had to check, you know, reports online to see what people, had, you know, that he had said, you know, he wanted to rape Gabe Sapolsky and this, that, the other thing. Uh, talk about uh, how cool he wanted, he, you know, he Cornette should get his head out of his ass. Indeed, he's already so far up there. And, and this, so there, I mean, the commentary made up for it later, but when he's coming out and he's the first thing on the show and some people actually bought the show only for him, uh, that's a major downfall, a major bummer to start off the show as well. Uh, I guess yeah. one of the uh, big surprising points on the show was uh, Cheech turning on Cloudy. I don't think anybody saw that coming, JP. No, not at all. <laughs> like, I mean, just because as well of how infrequently Evolve runs. I mean, obviously, this is their third show this year. Like, it actually uh, took uh, a message from Jacob, actually, to inform me that they were the tag leaders. And it was just like, oh, so this is supposed to be a big deal. And I was like... Oh, all right then. <laughs> granted, at least, granted, at least uh, Cheech and Cloudy. I mean, they've proven to have really good chemistry in the past with their matches. So, you know, I'm all for that at least. And the Super Smash Brothers, uh, you know, along the lines of the tag division, who I guess have had one Evolve match and they lost one on this show. So I guess we can anticipate their next match uh, probably you know five to eight evolves from now um so i'm really looking forward to that but yeah to look at the i guess really the top three matches i guess we can kind of look at tony Neese and john silver uh this was all post intermission um you're, you're a lot more familiar with these two guys mark so i think uh, you can take it yeah um i thought this match was going to steal the show for me and uh it definitely met my expectations and uh i'll say that tony Neese exceeded them uh, I've seen Nice and Silver wrestle before. I've seen them wrestle a bunch of times, but uh, I, I'm not. I've never really got into John Silver too much. I, I just don't think that he has the right kind of offense. And meanwhile, Nice looks so smooth in the ring, and he was piecing everything together. And uh, you know, he's he's all in two so far, and then he has a, a guy that he's faced in uh, NYWC many times. And I thought the match was great, you know, for for what it was supposed to be, but. Like, Silver was just kind of there. It could have been any guy. It could have been a more established guy, and it would have probably meant a little bit more. But 
for what it was, I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, they stepped up to the plate and got people cheering for them, and, that, and that's the truth. The, the fans were really behind them, but, you know, it, it could have been all family and friends being so close to home. And I guess for the correct decision in having John Davis win the three-way, we had to have Tony Nese drop this match because, as, you know, we've talked about at nauseum it feels at this point maybe not on the air but uh, that loser gimmick is definitely something that uh, is going to propel somebody to the next level uh, that sarcasm there but um yeah i mean uh go ahead i'm actually a bit curious over him because it's like i actually uh when he lost i sort of felt maybe it's because tna is right. going to sign him sure or maybe they, i mean in they run so infrequently. I mean, so it's it's a moot point. I mean, but he could he could obviously be heading anywhere. WWE, TNA, or maybe ROH. I don't know. He can he can go to WWE and spend time with Chris Masters in the not being used department. Absolutely, and I guess Finley and Sammy Callahan, which uh, I guess JP touched on. Um, yeah, to go along the lines with kind of the time of this match, you know, I actually fell asleep when I was originally watching this and had to watch this uh, when the replay went up, and I saw that it was a 23-minute match, so that was kind of in the back of my head when I was reviewing it, but I thought it was really well-paced for that amount of time, and then it wasn't your typical Callahan match. Like, it was the same story as every Callahan match, but they didn't do near as much, so it was so much more effective, and I actually really enjoyed this match, and this was by far and away the highlight of the show. Uh, I guess, Mark, what did you think? Yeah, you guys touched on all the points, really. Um, I, I believe I made a comment on Twitter when watching the show that this is how Sammy Callahan should be booked in every one of his matches from now on. Um, he still got his offense in to look strong, and, you know, he took a beating. I mean, most uh, 75% of the match, Finley was on offense. And uh, I think Sammy suffers when he really is in control of a guy who's, you know, a little bit bigger than, you know, bigger than him. And, the believability factor. Like, Finley is a legit tough guy, and, you know, he, he had butted Sammy right in the face, and everybody knew that that was a big deal. Like, it, there's an aura behind him coming in, and uh, I, I don't think that it should stop with just him. Like, Sammy is such a, you know, a hit-or-miss kind of guy. I, I'm a big fan of him at times, but other times I feel like he's just, you know, a guy who's supposed to be in tournaments and end up in the finals all the time, and people don't know how to actually use him, but... I thought this was a great match, absolutely perfect, and uh, looking forward to seeing Finley on the Indies a lot more. And before we move on to the main event, uh, JP, I wanted to touch on Tony Nese and John Silver is very much kind of the definition of the type of match that I think kind of annoys you about Evolve. Is that right? Uh, certainly. Well, I mean, it, well, it followed the same formula, like I said, or at least I felt that way in terms of it just uh, sort of, uh, you know, just developed into a bit of a spot fest. Like, I remember uh, vividly Tony Nese hits a spider German suplex out of the corner, and of course, you know, you see me, I, I'm going to pop for that. And then literally I look back, and then Silver's already up and powerbombed him, I believe, and I was just like, really? <laughs> like, uh, it wasn't a bad match, it just sort of like, it sort of felt a little insulting to me, I guess is the word I would use in terms of the fact. I mean, well, it's just like these spot fests all blend together to me. And it just, like, gets very repetitive after a while. And in the main event, we had Johnny Gargano as the wins leader at 6-2 and two against Chuck Taylor at 5-3. and three. This is actually technically the second match they've had as they had one on Evolve 7 a little bit. That was a bit of a, uh, you know, a, a, quick, a quick match. Um, I guess the story of this match was Johnny Gargano quickly left uh, because uh, the Larry Gallus camp, uh, he tried to throw in the towel again, similar to what happened at Evolve 7. Uh, 
but Johnny Gargano kicked him out and said he was done with it. Um, I thought this was a really good match. Um, I thought they delivered. Um, however, I felt like I just, for me personally, there was zero emotional investment, um, and I just couldn't have cared less about this match. And with Taylor getting the win, I guess that puts them both at six and three. So I guess you know we have to prepare ourselves for the ine- inevitable uh, big, you know, wins leader. Uh, you know, Johnny Gargano, Chuck Taylor, three. Mark. Yeah, I basically agree with everything you guys said about the you know that match. Uh, it's nothing that was anything to remember. It was a very emotional match for me if it was two years ago because I was a big Chuck Taylor fan then, and I would have you know really enjoyed seeing him get a big victory over Gargano and tie the wins, you know, uh, get his win back. But um, uh, Chuck Taylor just hasn't gotten any better in the past few years. Uh, Gargano has completely turned into a great wrestler that I want to see all the time, and uh, he, he's lost for a pointless reason in my mind. Uh, and now we have to see the match again, as you said. And uh, it, it's just lazy booking to make sure you have a main event for Evolve 10 in two months. And uh, the match was really good. I, I enjoyed it. But uh, the one thing I can say I didn't like about it was the fact that they did just about every one of each other's moves about five times. And uh, I think that's what Evolve's turned into is just like, like JP said. It's... Uh, very, there's a formula they follow. Um, people don't go crazy until they, people start hitting finishers. Uh, nobody cared for the first like five or six big moves they hit until uh, Chuck Taylor actually hit the awful waffle, and then people knew that was the end. And uh, I don't think that's the way a match should end in Evolve, especially the way it was built from day one, which was you know Sawa, TJP, and uh, you know Davey and Ibushi. And you look at that and you look at now, it's a completely different thing. And, you know, that's unfortunate to me. And you refer back to the first show. Uh, I felt like after Evolve 7 that maybe for, like, really the first time, the promotion was maybe garnering kind of some momentum. And then Evolve 8 happened, which as much of a disaster as that show was, it was much a disaster as we tried to attempt to record a show for that. Um, But now with Evolve 9, do you feel like maybe there's – or evolve, yeah, evolve nine. That is. Do you feel like maybe JP that there's, you know, they are gaining some momentum, or is it still kind of just, you know, where it's been? It, to me, really, it's just sort of where it's been. Like uh, at the least, like with some of the earlier evolve shows. I mean, granted, they had Danielson on uh, uh, like uh, three and four, or excuse me, four and five, uh, but uh, they had a bit more diversity in terms of like the way that some of the matches happened. And, like, they seem to have a much better pacing uh, to the shows, which, like, uh, 7 and 9, I mean, did not really seem to have all that, at least in my opinion. I mean, so, like, if they can attempt to maybe, like, try and change up some of the ways that the matches are worked, I mean, maybe that will help benefit and make it a more enjoyable show. I mean, and again, like I said, I just want to say that I did not think this was a bad show at all. I just wasn't nuts about it. Do you feel like uh, that wrestling almost, you know, they've incorporated this MMA aspect, and with Evolve, it's kind of different, but I feel like with ROH, specifically, like, the recent NYC Eddie Edwards finish with Davey Richards and the Richmond tag match, do you feel like maybe pro wrestling, and they're going, like, too much towards the MMA, and they're not using the pro wrestling aspect in the context of a match to their advantage, especially for the finishes, because I feel like, it's like, you know, you do 100 kicks over the course of the match, and then you do one more kick for the finish. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. So do you think maybe they're not using it to their advantage, Mark, or how do you see that? 
Yeah, see, um, when I saw, like, I, I when you mentioned that, I, I go back to this exact point when, like, John Morrison in WWE started getting pushed. And uh, it was maybe, like, a year and a half back or something. And I remember he started winning with, like, kicks to the face and stuff. And people were, like, completely silent. But then they pop loud when he won. Like, oh, it was an unexpected finish. That's awesome. And I was like, you know, that's what's cool. Like, if you can surprise people and you make them say, oh, this match can end at any time, we're not going to have to wait, you know, 15 minutes before they hit each other's finishers twice, and then we're going to see this. But I think, like you said, uh, you can incorporate it and still use it poorly. And I think they took the MMA idea that matches can end at any time, but they still use the pro wrestling formula. Like, we got Chuck Taylor and Akira Sazawa for seven minutes. Like, and now uh, let's look at, like, the style battle of all eight. Uh, Bobby Fish and Austin Aries got 23 minutes in a first-round match. So, you know, you couldn't have given it a little bit more time. I mean, they, they basically just take pro wrestling matches and just say, oh, we got to structure it this way so it fits. Um, the earlier Evolve shows are different. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with talent. They don't have Sawa. They don't have Zach Faber. They don't have TJP, the guys who can actually work that kind of style. And uh, it hurts. It really hurts. And JP, do you have anything to follow up with that? Uh, no, honestly. I mean, really, Mark. And now, I guess, moving on to CM Punk and kind of the wrestling world still evolving around himself. Um, and I guess what's happening uh, with Triple H and uh, uh, John Cena. Uh, but to take a step back first, uh, Mark, you weren't on our last. Uh, you weren't on our last podcast with us when we uh, discussed uh, Money in the Bank more in detail. Uh, so briefly kind of talk about, you know, I guess the two promos that led up to that, the Money in the Bank match itself, and what transpired shortly after. Yeah, uh, I believe that we actually were on for uh, when we recapped ROH Best in the World and we got a chance to talk about the CM Punk promo quickly, but uh, the first one. And, um, you know, I was very excited for it, and Money in the Bank was, you know, highly anticipated for me. Uh, I watched the, the pay-per-view, and I thought the match was absolutely awesome. It's my favorite match of the year, for sure. And, uh you know, they did something different, which is what I was looking forward to. And uh, I thought everything they did with the Comic-Con, with Triple H and Sam Punk was great. And, um, you know, leading up to where we are now, I think it was, uh, they, they did a really good job. And me and JP discussed it, I guess, last night. We were talking about, you know, and, and much much of the case they went through most of this feud, it's like kind of every situation was lose-lose. You know, the, the night after Money in the Bank, if, if he doesn't show up, people are going to be disappointed. If, people, if he does show up, they're going to be disappointed. And that was kind of the same thing the week later. Uh, so, JP, I mean, do you think he came back too early? Are you kind of in the middle? How do you feel about it? I mean, in all honesty, it's like really the the main scenario that I've heard that some people may have preferred was that he didn't come back until SummerSlam, where they could have stretched out this tournament on Raw until right. SummerSlam. And I've seen a Mysterio main event in the pay-per-view. Then, obviously, you have Cena win, and then Punk comes out at the end of it which honestly probably would have been good. But, like, the main thing that I do argue against that is simply the fact that I don't think Raw may have been as interesting for those few weeks leading into SummerSlam because it's like, when you looked at that tournament when it first happened, it was like everyone and their mother knew that Mysterio was probably going to win the belt. And uh, I don't really see how... um, um, the potential possibility of stretching that out over a few weeks would have really keep fans' interest, whereas when Punk returned, everyone basically blew up, 
And now we have uh, Punk and Cena, too, which is no doubt. I doubt it'll be, like, as special as their first match, but I still fully expect it to be a great match. Um, and not to mention the fact that SummerSlam as a whole, to me, right now, looks like a pretty fun show. I do have to say that. And I think the more I think about it, I need to kind of touch on it in terms of creative is, I think my main problem with him coming back so early, even more so than just like a logistical reason, but cre- from the creative side, it's you always hear about, oh, creative so burnt out because, you know, they had to book two consecutive three-hour Raws. They had to be on the road all week. They had a pay-per-view this weekend. And for, a, you know, a storyline like this that has the potential not only to go months, but even more long-term than that, and here you are and you just burn through it in two weeks. Uh, Mark, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, like... uh I don't feel that he should have been back. I, I would have held it off personally, but um, when he came out and called the personality hit, I, I kind of forgot about that, and I just kind of lived for the moment and said, well, maybe there's something to this, and we'll see where this is going to go. And, uh, you know, when he got into the ring and he held the belt up and more fans cheered for him than they did for Cena, I was like, All right, maybe they have something here, you know. Maybe if Punk went away for a you know, good enough time, the fans would say, well, Punk actually left. He's not coming back. Like, the people who were actually there to see him, and uh, maybe it would, they would just not come anymore and they would never get those fans back, but, you know, it's up to, it, it, it's, again, they're not living up to a stipulation. They they say, oh, this guy's going to leave if he loses, but, you know, he left, and, you know, Triple H has a tournament for the title, but then we find out anyway that he's re-signed CM Punk, you know? It, it's like, you know, it, it doesn't make sense at this time, and you can only say, let's wait and see, let's wait and see for so long before you say... They're doing it week by week still. There's still no big change or anything like that. And uh, it's just business as usual, it looks like. But uh, the match should be great. And I, I agree, I don't think it'll be as good as the one for uh, Money in the Bank. But uh, we'll, we'll see, you know. They have my, they still have my interest, at least until SummerSlam. And I did we'll think, see. though... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I did think, though, that... Uh, at least in the opening promo between Punk and Triple H last night, I thought that they did do a good way of providing some sort of storyline reasoning for it, since the whole reason why Punk started all this was because he wanted to make an impact in the WWE and change certain things. And I guess they put a lot more value in terms of Vince McMahon as an on-screen character being uh, gone than maybe a lot of fans perceive it to be. Considering, you know, he hasn't been involved in an on-screen presence all that much over the last, well, probably year, two years, I would say. I mean, but, uh, like, last night, in terms of the fact that Punk was saying, you know, that he still, he does want to prove that he is the best and whatnot, I, I thought that was all handled well, at least. And looking forward to SummerSlam, uh, how, do you, how do you see it playing out, Mark? Uh, you know... They they always do this where they have the house show matches where where they'll run through and do little things and here and that leading up to the pay per view and they had uh, Alberto Del Rio run in and cash in, you know try to cash in but he doesn't know who to cash in on. Um, I really don't know where it's gonna go. Uh, I'd like to see them keep it on Punk, but uh, it's hard to say. I, there's really no prediction I can make. I just want it to be a great match. That's really all I want from it, honestly. Uh, but. You know, I think it would be smart to keep it on Punk and at least try to keep it a superstar. Uh, I think we're going to see John Laurinaitis, unfortunately. But, um, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll keep it clean. And, JP, you talk, uh, I guess, Mark, you touched on Del Rio. JP, 
Del Rio, he's kind of been in the slot to take the title for a long time, but the rug just kind of keeps getting pulled out from under him uh, due to circumstances. Uh, when, when is his time finally going to come? It's really hard to say because, like, if obviously this entire punk storyline uh, did not happen over the course of the last month, the general consensus, or at least I felt, that he for sure was going to be taking the title at SummerSlam. But right now it's just sort of very hard to call, really, because he's sort of stuck in that mid-card position right now and is going to be, you know, feuding with uh, Kofi Kingston to become the latest uh victim in terms of having several matches with Kofi Kingston over the course of next the next few months, much like how uh, uh, Dolph Ziggler had that role for a good while. <laughs> but, um, Absolutely. but uh, I mean, it, it really is tough to call, and I sort of feel bad for him in the sense that, uh, I mean, considering, you know, obviously he won the Rumble, could have won it at Mania, didn't happen there, could have won it at Extreme Rules, it didn't happen there. Could have wanted at SummerSlam potentially. I mean, of course, that could happen, although I do not see that being too likely. And, you know, it could have happened there, but again, like I said, don't think it will. It's just sort of a shame for him because he's been, uh, you know, very consistent over the course of the last year now with, since uh, he debuted. I mean, he's proven to be a very sound and ring competitor. He's one of the best on the mic in the company right now. It's a great look. It's just really a shame that he hasn't exactly uh, gotten the the time, I suppose, that uh, has been long pushed back for him. Yeah, but it'll happen. And Mark, any follow up on Del Rio? Yeah, it, it. You basically touched on it there. Is that he's he's I think he's ready, and he always has been. Um, I thought it was very very odd that they would have him lose to uh, Edge at WrestleMania, and Edge is still retiring anyway. So. You know, it was kind of like a, uh, a slap in the face almost, I think, to him. Or You know, it almost seems like they're testing him to see if he's a main event guy, but he clearly is. He had the fans hating him. At first, it was a little while for them to, to get into what he was doing, but now they expect it from him, and they're ready to boo. And their idea is that if they have him with uh, the Money in the Bank briefcase, that, you know, that draws heat. But, you know, they should look at him as a, a commodity. He's uh, one of the top heels they have. And... Uh, I just don't think he's, you know, I would like to see him get the time where he'll cash it in and shine, but unfortunately, I think that if he does, he, he may be the first to lose it. You know, he may be the first guy who cashes in and loses outright, but, you know, I, like JP said, it, it'll come, but who knows when. Well, yeah, it comes for everybody. Um, I mean, everybody always gets their opportunity, especially with, you know, multiple world titles on top. But JP, you were in attendance for Florida Championship Wrestling, I guess, Two weeks ago now, last week, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, um, and you had the pleasure of viewing not one uh, 15-minute draw, uh, but it, but an additional 20-minute draw with uh, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose in FCW, and Tyler Black, Seth Rollins. Uh, so yeah, I mean, talk about the tapings. I mean, that must have like, I mean, I I could one Tyler Black John Moxley match, but then two. Right. I mean, uh, I've actually had a good uh, amount of attendance for FCW this year in terms of their television tapings. Uh, I have to say that I really enjoyed just about every show of theirs that I've been to. I mean, for those of you who may not keep up with it or uh, are not too familiar with the FCW product, uh, the the building itself is like only seats about 200 people. It's uh, 
very quaint size. They uh, actually, right now, over the past few months, they've had William Regal on commentary. And while I haven't been able to watch the shows on uh, television because I do not get the channels, uh, the channel that FCW airs on, um, he provide from what I've been told, he provides a great, great uh, perspective in terms of the commentary, much like how he does on NXT. And the moment that uh, Moxley got signed, I'm pretty sure I was one along with many who immediately thought, okay, please let them do Tyler and Moxley. And a very slow build over the last couple months. In fact, the two TV tapings before then, uh, one Richard Triumph and I went to both of them saying, okay, is it going to be today? And then Moxley would come out, do not wrestle Tyler. But they each episode, he would say, you know, oh, Seth Rollins, I'm coming for you. And the match was bound to happen. I mean, they were doing it on house shows, but um, the 15-minute thought was a pretty good match. Uh, Tyler has proven to be a really, really great addition to the FCW roster, especially over the um, over the last year by proving that, uh, I mean, he have a great match with just everyone. He's had good matches with the likes of Rick Steamboat, Damian Sandow, who's uh, one of my personal favorites in FCW, uh, one Rick Victor, who's actually a student of Lance Storm, if I'm correct. I, uh, Moxley as well, Hunico. I mean, it's just uh, really former to watch. But uh, these uh, these two matches, I thought were really uh, different from one each other from each other in a sense because the first one more of a technical wrestling contest, um, and then on the second episode of the TV taping, they actually had a brawl. And then on the third one, uh, it was a lot more of a heated match before it went to the 20-minute draw. And I actually fully expect him to do a third one next week, which I am highly anticipating, of course. And you can definitely have to report back onto the show about that match. Uh, but I guess moving on, I mean, LS Mark, do you follow FCW online at all? I try my best. I mean, uh, to be honest, once in a while I'll, I'll get lucky and I'll see, like, a house show match that's, like, on YouTube or something like that. But, uh I try to follow the results as best as possible, and uh, everybody knows I'm, you know, a big Tyler Blackmark, so uh, I try to follow him as much as possible. And, you know, it's great to hear that he's improving. Uh, I think the past two years for him has been incredible, uh, such growth, and it's good. I'm glad he's continuing to grow, you know, and, and he just didn't get stuck in that ROH rut. I mean, with the type of roster that they have right now, it's just really impressive. And it, it, it's also sort of silly to me because I've uh, made this point in the past over it's like, uh, where is they looking when they get these talents? Obviously, in the past, they've signed a very big, notable Ring of Honor names from uh, Colt Cabana to Brian Danielson to Loki to obviously now Stephen Moxley. And very random guys from like, the Midwest region, like the AIW, AEW scene, such as uh, Juice Robinson, Derek Bateman, Michael Burrell, uh, left. So, like, they have such a sound roster top to bottom that it really is impossible for them to have a bad show. So, like, I would say, if you're in the Florida region, you have an opportunity to uh, um, attend an FCW in any capacity. I would highly recommend it. Something that I know caught all three of us off guard late Saturday night was uh, the Pro Wrestling Guerrilla Next Show announcement uh, of Battle of Los Angeles, which is now happening in less than three weeks. I know we all had our high hopes up that they would announce this at least uh, further, especially than this in advance so that uh, we could attend. Not only uh, is it less than three weeks, but it's also 
just one night uh, this time, and uh, it's eliminated from, I guess, 16 competitors, what is typically 24 competitors down to, or 16 down to eight, sorry. And I guess we'll run down the uh, first uh, first round matches because I know we're all really excited and we can kind of do our predictions. Uh, also talk about the eight-man format uh, as opposed to typical. But uh, Chris Hero, Holly Mack, Audio Casanelli and El Generico, Eddie Edwards, uh, and Roderick Strong, and Fit Finley and Kevin Steen. JP? I am quite excited for this. There's one match out of all four of those, or in fact, any possibility coming out of the semifinal. He could say that I would not want to see. Like, Mac and Hero is going to be a great opportunity for Mac, who's developing into one of my favorite guys to watch in the independent scene. Uh, Rob, always good. Uh, Claudio Generico has always proven to be good. And then a match like Steen and Finley is just going to blow a lot of people's minds. I mean, especially considering the fact that it's in front of uh, Reseda, who's just probably going to totally eat it up. And then when you look at all the possibilities that are uh, coming out of this tournament, you, you can have a Edward Steen, you could have uh, Claudio and Willie Mack, you could have Willie Mack and Generico, or Generico and Hero. All of those sound really, really good to me. And I personally am fully expecting a finals of uh, Steen and Generico, which, of course, would be absolutely fantastic. And Mark? Yeah, I, I mean, it completely took me off guard, um, but... I think for a one-night tournament, they, they, they really touched on every base that they, they needed to touch on. They got the one SoCal guy in Willie Mack there, and he's going to have a really good match with Chris Hero. Um, you have, like, Claudio Castagnoli, who's going to be, you know, that, that's the thing, is that you don't know if Claudio and Hero are going to be gone now, and this could be their swan song. So this could be possibly, you know, saying goodbye to them in the first round. And that'd be great, because uh, you get Generico and Mack, and... Which I think will happen, and uh, I'm most excited for uh, Eddie and Roderick in a, PD, a PWG ring, because I think that if they get 20 minutes and they can really go at it, they can have this match, and then from now on, whenever we have to see it in ROH again, it could be dull and boring, and the same thing over and over again. But at least this will be a good like third match that we can say they got their trilogy out there, and that's it. But uh, I agree. I think it's going to be Steen and Jericho in the finals, and uh, I assume Generico would win, but um, who knows? Uh, I think Finley and Steen will be hard-hitting. Uh, I'm sure Gabe is going to try to get it on iPay-Per-View, as Ben suggested to me, before uh, PWG can release it on DVD, but uh, we'll see. And I feel like if it is going to be Hero and Castagnoli's swan song uh, to PWG, I feel like maybe they will get in Willie Mack and Castagnoli, because Willie and Generico is very much a match that could be bigger on another show as opposed to just the semifinal in the Battle of Los Angeles. But... Something else that I think has kind of uh, thrown people off guard is the fact that uh, instead of uh, being the typical uh, two-night tournament, it's only one night uh, with eight competitors. And I feel like it's actually, I'm fine with it this time because there's a lot less filler. And it's not like the last couple of years have particularly set the world on fire as an overall tournament. So less filler, and it should be like a really, just a, a really, it's just a super strong compact tournament. Um, and, I mean, you look at all the names, and, I mean, you know, you, you put, like, booking aside, I mean, realistically, any of these guys could win. So how do you feel about, I guess, the eight-person format, uh, JP? I personally am okay with it. Uh, granted, uh, 
known as Batman really since the 2007 one. I mean, I like the 2006 one a lot. I thought 05 was okay. Since the 2007 one, it's been a really, really great tournament from top to bottom. Although last year, I sort of felt that night one was a very hard show to get through because of the fact uh, that a lot of the matches went close to like 15 minutes each. And it's a good way that PWG does that because they want to give the fans all their money's worth. But for a live crowd, it can only burn them out. And then even watching it on DVD, like the full way through, it can be tough. So, like, a one-night tournament with all eight of these guys, I think, is going to actually really deliver well, especially, like I said, with a generico Steam finals, potentially, which people would just go absolutely wild for. I personally am quite okay with it. And Mark, any final thoughts on the Battle of Los Angeles? Yeah, uh, I hope they don't keep it as uh, an eight-man tournament. I hope this is just uh, a circumstantial thing where they could get, like, uh, special bookings for, say, like, Finley, and, you know, Eddie's going to be back, and, uh, you know, as I mentioned, maybe it's going to be here on Claudio's last time there. Uh, if, they, if it was circumstance and they just wanted to get the show booked in three weeks, you know, they did a great job. Uh, they, my expectations were high because I wanted to go. Um Hopefully in the future they can go back to the 16-man, which I, I personally liked more. But uh, that's their decision. Uh, I don't agree with everything they do, but they always put on great shows. You can't take that away from them for sure. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Shakara announced uh, this past Sunday uh, in Philadelphia that the uh, season finale on November 13th will be an Internet pay-per-view, the first Shakara Internet pay-per-view, which will, uh, I guess, feature the finals of the 12-large summits. Uh, JP, I guess we really don't know. I'm excited that I guess Shakar is going to be on iPay pay per view, and there's a lot going on that day. Oh, absolutely! Because not only is Shakar going to be on iPay per view that day, Dragon Gate having their trip that weekend. Uh, Philadelphia, Boston, and New York, and you would have to assume that all three of those are going to be on iPay-Per-View, not to mention TNA is going to be on pay-per-view that weekend with Turning Point 2011, and there's going to be a lot of wrestling broadcasted everywhere, especially specifically on that Sunday. You're going to have three different pay-per-view providers. Uh, I mean, it's pretty wild. I don't think anything like that has ever happened. And, Mark, will the iPay-Per-View numbers combine Trump, TNA's pay-per-view by Uh I'm going to say absolutely, and I think Chikar will probably do it on its own. Uh, at least I hope so. I, I think that this is a chance for people that have always said that we want PWG, regardless of contractual issues, uh, to get on iPay-Per-View. Uh, this is a chance for Chikar to stand out and say that we're going to do it right and We'll, have the, we'll be on top of the DVDs, and we'll be on top of iPay-Per-View. And if you want to see our show, you can watch it live on Pay-Per-View, and then the next night, you know, it'll be up for pre, you know, up for order, basically. So um, I hope it does. I hope it says something to at least, you know, to get the number out there and go, wow, you know, a lot of people are uh, actually checking it out. And I, I hope they do it for the company, too, because they deserve it. They're hardworking. They always have a great product. Uh, I discussed with you that it's not always my cup of tea. I, I can't really follow it show to show, but uh, when I do check it out, I always enjoy it. And um, you know, King of Trios was absolutely phenomenal. That that's the exclusion with them. But uh, I'm looking. I, I can't wait for it, honestly. And I'm very excited for them, and I'm sure they're excited as well. Uh, is there anything else you two uh, want to discuss before we leave this evening, JP Mark? I have to say, uh, before them.
to record justice this weekend. I know uh, potentially uh, was it Davy Richards versus Chip Day and whatnot. Absolutely. Uh, this is actually probably one of the bigger weekends uh, in the Atlanta wrestling history, at least, uh, or Georgia wrestling kind of independent history, all within an hour of my house as well, which is quite rare. But uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to be uh, featured at three Davy Richards matches. Uh, they're claiming at the Fan Fest, which is going to be in Carrollton, Georgia, which is an hour away from the Fan Fest, uh, which, you know, makes a lot of sense. Uh, they are uh, advertising that Davy will defend the ROH title. I don't know if anything's really going to come of that. Uh, it'll probably ultimately be a non-title. Uh, but, yes, uh, this Friday, uh, Platinum Championship Wrestling, the much-famed Platinum Championship Wrestling that we've discussed in the past, will feature Chip Day and Davy Richards, uh, Tony Cozina and Jay Fury, as well as Shane Marks and Kyle Matthews, uh, with a stipulation of... Uh, the winner getting a title shot uh, at the ROH title, that is, on September 24th. So I guess Davey's going to be back. And we just looked like right before the show, and they're also now advertising Kyle O'Reilly, so I'm more than excited for this show. And then, as I mentioned, uh, as a part of the Fan Fest, they're running an event in Carrollton, Georgia, on Saturday. And then Sunday afternoon, uh, we're going to be a treat to Davey Richards and Jimmy Rave, which is a rematch over five years in the making. Davey Richards debut in Ring of Honor at, uh, I guess, Destiny, which was in what may or may june of 2005 so yeah really exciting weekend for me not something i'm used to to get three at least decent looking uh indie shows within you know uh you know reasonable driving distance so i'm really excited uh mark is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we go uh i guess the only other thing worth mentioning we didn't touch on was that uh cole cabana got a dark match tonight with wwe uh before smackdown uh against wade barrett um who knows what's coming of that, really? But uh, good for him. You know, he's getting a look at least. And what, it was in Louisville, or like in the Midwest. Where was it? Yeah, I think it was Louisville, Kentucky, or Lexington, maybe. The Lexington, I think, was it. Yeah. I mean, so that's rare too. You know, it, you never really see a guy getting a dark match that's not in his hometown. That you know, well, obviously, we all know what's connected to. But you know, it, it, they brought him down to Kentucky, so. Essentially, I mean, uh, uh, return of Pretty excited. I really want to apologize for the connection issues that we had tonight. For Mark, for JP, I am Ben Turpin. GreenMissionFR.com is the site. Follow us on Twitter at GreenMissionFR. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And until next time. So when you were going to throw Titan's name in there so I could throw it on at the end of the show? You, you still oh, did. Oh, Titan. Titan, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> Titan's going to be uh, down from Toronto to attend Hardcore Justice for his first time in the Impact Zone. Certainly uh, not exactly on par with your first time in the Impact Zone. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>